United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Steve Heggie is a senior expert of the Columbia Peace Process at the United States Institute of Peace. He's tweeting at Steve Heggie and joins us. Steve, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Let's talk first about uh, what is being offered uh, for Venezuela right now. Give us a sense of whether or not you think that is something that is viable. Well, Tim, you're right to point out that the, the coronavirus and, uh, has inevitably is going to have a tremendous impact on, on, on Venezuela, which has uh, enormous risks and vulnerabilities with regards to the pandemic with a health care system that is really under uh, extreme uh, weakness uh, and has been in decline for many years and, a, and an economy that's been hit particularly by the dramatic uh, fall in oil prices. Um, so the, the power sharing plan that was presented by the Department of State uh, yesterday sort of has to be seen in the context of those dramatic risks, which, as you pointed out, are, are really important for, for Colombia as well. Uh, if there is a, an enormous outbreak in Venezuela, Colombia, which shares a 1,400-mile uh, border with, uh, with Venezuela, which has been closed for the last few weeks and largely controlled by a range of armed groups, I mean, 1.5 million uh, Venezuelan migrants and refugees uh, hosted here in, in Colombia, where, where I am based, and these two countries are inexplicably, uh, inextricably uh, linked to one another, including uh, a number of the armed groups, Colombian armed groups that have significant presence in, in Venezuela, uh, notably the ELN. Uh, the second largest uh, armed group in, in, in Colombia's uh, long-standing uh, civil war, uh, which has recently just declared a, a month-long ceasefire and, and an indication of a, of a hopeful uh, turn for this opportunity. But getting back to the power-sharing plan that, that you mentioned, it certainly uh, demonstrates an, a, a, a openness from the U.S. Department of State to envision a future in which all sectors of uh, Venezuelan society can participate in both dealing with the urgent humanitarian needs of the crisis and uh, reaching agreements around that, but the larger sort of uh, uh, spectrum of, of challenges that need to be addressed, including uh, agreements on how to reach uh, uh, free and fair presidential and, and national assembly elections, in which a council of state, as the proposal is indicated by the uh, Department of State, Council of State uh, would lead that process into uh, elections over a period of six to 12 months, uh, forcing both the regime, uh, President Nicolas Maduro, and the interim president, uh, Juan Guaido, to step aside in the interim while that, that Council of State, elected by the National Assembly, uh, could, could usher in that process and hopefully reach some agreements around how to uh, tackle the enormous challenges of, of the coronavirus pandemic. Steve, perhaps it's because other news items have overwhelmed the story, but it seems to me we have not heard much from the U.S. relative to Nicolas Maduro or Juan Guaido. And this, despite the fact that at one point it seemed like the U.S. was all in on a change in the leadership. I mean, is this just something that has gone unnoticed or have there been no developments? Has the U.S. been more standoffish on this? Give us a sense of the involvement of the U.S. in this. Well, the, the U.S. policy has been one of, of maximum pressure in the hope of a range of sanctions and most, re- most recently uh, unsealed indictments uh, on Nicolas Maduro and, and his closest uh, allies within the government, which took place just, just over a week ago uh, uh, and were released by the, the Department of Justice. Um, that campaign has been really designed to try to generate the sufficient pressure for uh, the regime, the opposition, 
to uh, to to reach a negotiated uh, and and, and uh, agreement around a peaceful transition that could lead to uh, an end to what, what you pointed out uh, earlier is, is really one of the largest sort of and most complex uh, economic and political crises that the, the Western Hemisphere has has seen in its modern history. Uh, and so that pressure campaign is continuing. This, on the other hand, from the Department of, of State yesterday, uh, constitutes more or less uh, a, a, a political uh, a vision, which some have interpreted as somewhat of an olive branch to members of the, the regime and the military in particular, that they, in reassuring to them that they have a future uh, in, in Venezuela uh, if an agreement is reached between the, the, uh, um, the internationally recognized interim government, as well as uh, the members of the regime. Steve Heggie is with us, senior expert of the Columbia Peace Process at the United States Institute of Peace. I know, Steve, you have been making mention of something that is a challenge for people in Colombia nearby. A million and a half Venezuelan migrants. This has led to incidents pillaging local corner stores, maybe xenophobia. Uh, social cohesion is evaporating. I, I wonder how much of a threat this poses to Colombia. Well, I, as I said, I pointed out the, the ELN ceasefire, I think, is, is a really important uh, uh, example of the opportunities can, that can exist, both in Colombia and Venezuela. Again, that being an armed group that, that, that uh, goes across both across borders in the region. But the Venezuelan migrants is another example of the cross-border uh, entwined uh, relationship between Venezuela and, and Colombia. 1.5 million in, of the 5 million Venezuelan migrants and refugees that have been generated as a result of the Venezuelan crisis. 1.5 million are, are currently residing in, in, in Colombia. And as you pointed out, it, there are uh, extreme vulnerabilities of this population. Uh, I live in a neighborhood in, in Bogota, which uh, has experienced in the last few days uh, different incidents of Venezuelans who don't have an opportunity to simply uh, hunker down in, 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 in apartments. Um, who have, many have been forced out because they haven't been able to uh, make the daily uh, payments that they have for their uh, very precarious living arrangements. Um, and, and, and I think that the government, both the, the local mayor's office here in Bogota, as well as across the country, has been have looking at creative ways to try to uh, assist this population. I think ultimately there are opportunities from the Venezuelan side, uh, an agreement between the members of the opposition uh, or the interim government and the regime uh, to access certain uh, uh, free uh, frozen uh, bank accounts abroad or other pockets of money uh, to be directed not only to vulnerable Venezuelans in in Venezuela, but also to these uh, uh, very uh, vulnerable uh, uh, migrant populations and refugee populations, including here uh, in Colombia. As you pointed out, if those measures are not taken, I do fear that uh, both xenophobia, which has been on the rise, since uh, national strikes here in Colombia uh, uh, really took over the country at the end of last year, and Venezuelan uh, migrants were accused of sort of uh, uh, exacerbating some of the, the most violent incidents in those national strikes, that this xenophobia could uh, increase dramatically, and, and, and we're going to be faced with uh, uh, very dire uh, circumstances in terms of managing this population. Some of them may be choosing, as they've, as they've seen, to return to Venezuela uh, across these informal border crossings, and I think that would be even more difficult to manage uh, the spread of the pandemic uh, to uh, an even more vulnerable and, 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 and risky country such as Venezuela. And in, the, in the, the, the opposite way, you know, if there's a major outbreak in Venezuela, that same migrant population, I think, is going to overwhelm and potentially collapse the, the health care system. And all of that will circle back to a, a real important and acute uh, increase in social tension with this, uh, this population, which up to this point, now, Colombia has been extremely hospitable uh, and warm in welcoming and supporting their Venezuelan brothers. 
Last question. This is more of a sort of your personal observation. What is the sense of things on the ground in terms of how people are dealing with and how severe the uh, the impact is of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic in Colombia and or Venezuela? Well, I think in both cases, there are, there are significant uh, populations which simply can't uh, uh, social distance uh, or take those measures to isolate themselves that are uh, dependent on day-to-day uh, income that they generate through uh, informal uh, economic activities. Many of these have been uh, completely halted. Uh, and so these populations are, are really at uh, uh, significant uh, risk in the face of this crisis. Colombia at this point is on a national quarantine. We've gotten through the first week of that. There's going to be two more weeks, and they're likely to be extended. Venezuela has taken measures to quarantine uh, certain states within 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 the country, um, but it, but it's really difficult to to enforce these quarantines on populations that are extremely vulnerable. Um, and and there have been there have been enormous efforts uh, here on the Colombian side to try to provide support to those families that are going to be most hard hit by. The, 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 these measures uh, and sort of the halting or freezing of the economy. Um, but on the Venezuelan side, I think it's going to be very difficult. There, there are limited resources that the Venezuelan regime can actually redirect to those populations, which goes back to the real need for some degree of humanitarian agreement uh, uh, between the opposition in Venezuela and the, the, the regime. Colombia could play a part in encouraging that. Uh, former President Andres Pastrana has uh, offered his, his, his good offices to, to meet with uh, Nicolas Maduro to try to encourage those uh, types of measures. And those could be openings to access international uh, humanitarian assistance, which because of the political crisis uh, at this point has been uh, up to this point has been rejected. So those types of critical measures. I think are really important. And the, the, the plan laid out by the Department of, of State, as well as the potential leverage of the Department of Justice indictments, could generate uh, the, the, the opportunities to at least look at minimal uh, humanitarian agreements in Venezuela and between Colombia and, and Venezuela. Steve, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, increasingly making it a, a little easier to understand a complex world. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks a lot, Tim. Steve Heggie is senior expert, Columbia Peace Process at the United States Institute of Peace, Columbia, Venezuela, the U.S. You heard the indictments last week from the Department of Justice and Bill Barr, and of course what the State Department is doing relative to that part of the world. And it's all involved with uh, it, it very much being touched by the coronavirus pandemic. He is tweeting, by the way, at Steve Heggie, at Steve H-E-G-E. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.